Season 3, Episode 10. The grand opening? The grand opening. The finale of Season 3. The finale. So the first thing I think about this episode, uh, just as a whole, is I think this is probably the most plot-driven episode ever of Curb. That, that I can remember. You could be right. Like, the, there's, like, the whole episode. It, I don't even think it's that funny. Like, I actually, this episode's okay. I don't love it. But there's, like, a plot to this. Like, and that's what's driving everything. Every single scene has some sort of consequential plot-moving device. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The whole thing is about the restaurant from start to finish. It's almost like they got through the season and then realized that they needed to tie this up and needed to do a lot of things in one episode. Yeah, because we actually commented through like five or six episodes, I remember commenting that, wow, the restaurant is super involved. This is a really plot-driven season. And then the last like three, I don't think it's been in at all. Like... There are a few mentions. I don't think there's any mention right, there in be. episode 9 about the restaurant. No, there's not. Um, in 8, Crazy Eyes Killer, I don't think there's any mention. I think Jeff makes a quick mention of like going over to the restaurant. Okay, and in 7, Corpse Sniffing Dog, they're at the restaurant. But yeah. more of that's not about the restaurant than it is. Yeah. So so now we're back. All in on Bobo. Bobos, I guess. So I think they're actually kind of riffing on that theme of tying everything up really, really quickly when they're at the restaurant later in the episode. But we'll get to that later. Get to it later. What should we get to first? Uh, colon cleanse, of course. Is that a real thing? I don't know if that's a real thing. I have no idea. But it's great that the guy just yells it out. I, I, that's how, it's great that he yells out, where is it? And it's, <laughs> he yells out, where is it? The other guy yells, oh, it's Nile G. And then the guy's like, oh, yeah, it's right up on that shelf. Like, he didn't know where it was, but now he knows where in the aisle it is. Like, it's Larry, Larry half yells, it, it's for my wife. It's for my wife. And you can tell like, everyone in line is just laughing at him. So, is that a good toupee? On, on the, I'm, the I'm going to admit something. Yeah. I think, I don't know why, and people, like, I think almost all toupees look good. I don't think toupees look as bad as people say they do. I mean, there are some bad toupees. Okay, that, yeah. Have I you ever seen back. a guy? I should step back. There are, there are like... A poor, poorly done toupees, yes, are awful. But well done toupees, I think, look good. That's what I should have said. Like a guy who has a jet black toupee and clearly doesn't dye the rest of his hair and has yeah. white sideburns. <laughs> I, yes. Bad uh, toupee. I think what I meant to say is if it's a well done toupee, I think it looks much better than being bald. I thought that guy looked much better. Do you remember like the two or three episode arc in Seinfeld where George wore the toupee? Yep. I thought he looked significantly better and jerry and elaine the whole time were telling him how stupid he looked but like i didn't think he did i thought he looked a lot 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 better i feel like toupees look good on camera they don't look good in person maybe that's it they don't have that shine if i was bald i would do it in a second all right i'm gonna hold you to that um well i'm not gonna be bald so okay so So i'm not jeff (laughs) Never work for Larry David. <laughs> Definitely can't. You will never be Larry David's urologist. <laughs> That's true. How does Jeff know that Larry has a bald urologist? Yeah, I was wondering that. And a bald travel agent. You never see travel agents in person, first of all. It's like you never do that. Uh, <laughs> no. I mean, they're, they're, they're clearly just lawyer? improvising here. But Yeah. No, I mean, I get, well, Jeff, maybe it's Jeff's job to know all this. He's the manager. He has to know everything about Larry. It's true. He has to know something about his urologist and his travel agent. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know about that, though. Uh, my, my next comment is that uh, in the scene in the car and the scene directly afterwards, Jeff is just such a, like, a big person all around. 
He's it's huge. Not, it's not that he's like overweight. He's just like a large person. His head is humongous. Exactly. <laughs> so when he's sitting next to Larry, Larry looks tiny, and then he's carrying this tiny little lunchbox. Yeah, Jeff with that lunchbox look. That the pink lunchbox. It's just hilarious. It's such a good contrast. Like that lunchbox and him. That's a really good point. I didn't write that down, but that's such a good visual, like just visual comedy of just Jeff holding that. Big Jeff, small lunchbox. It's perfect. Big Jeff, small lunchbox, big laughs. I like it. Yeah, it's great. Um, and Larry's pretty good at dodgeball. Yeah, you'd be, he's more athletic than you think. He's getting people out. He's catching it. He's dancing around. He's people that guy like standing him. in the front, you know, saying, yeah, come at me, bro. Yeah, he's like running. He's running the game. He's taking over. And then he drills Portico in the thumbs. Portico's a great dodgeball player. Portico takes his game seriously. He really does. Like, Portico is living for this dodgeball, it looks like. And Larry's sorry is probably about the most honest sorry you'll get out of Larry in any episode, ever. Yeah, he, yes. He, he's genuinely that sorry. That is sincere. That is sincere. I mean, it's a comedy sorry, but he, it's a sincere sorry. No, you're right. He, he does not apologize very often. And when he does, he usually doesn't even mean it. I know. So, when they meet, uh, when Larry meets Portico in his office... Uh, yep. The casts. Okay. Those are not the casts you get for breaking a They're thumb. not, but they're incredible. <laughs> the, I don't the, I don't think you can do anything to your hand to get a cast like that. Maybe if you broke your wrist and every finger. Uh, maybe if your arm got run over by like a dump truck, they put I, that on. I, I've I have actually broken a thumb before, like skiing. Like you get like either like a splint for your thumb or just like a, a thumb cast. Like you, you don't get that. That, like there's, that's so impractical. Like you, he, he didn't have hands. You know, I, I think Portico has the best line in this episode where he pulls them up from the table and just yells that I look like a fucking muppet. <laughs> <laughs> I just I died when I when I heard that. It was just perfect. It's the way yep. he delivers it too, because he's so grumpy. He can't do thumbs up, thumbs down. That's his whole shtick. No. So he can't review the restaurant. And then there's this whole awkward scene where Larry feeds him spaghetti. Yeah, is Larry doing that to be, like, an asshole? I can't tell because he's also just shoving spaghetti down his throat. Like, he's not giving him a chance to chew. He's just shoving more and more food in there. I have have no idea what's going on in this scene. I could not tell what Larry's motives were. He actually could have, like, choked him doing that. Also, Portico just did something nice for him. He got him a chef. Yeah, and and Larry, like, is spilling the spaghetti down Portico's shirt and blaming it on Aunt Portico. He's like, oh, Andy, watch out there. You know, maybe it was, like, a some sort of joke on the set, because he does actually have casts on his hands during the time. So you can't actually stop Larry. So Larry was just going to... That was a weird... Like, I couldn't tell if Larry was being nice or... Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, so then we get we meet the new chef who has Tourette's, but we don't know that yet. E. Bernier. And he has two problems. Do you remember what they are? He has, of course, remember what they are. Uh, Salmon and capers. Yeah. He hates capers. Uh, He also doesn't want olives on the table because of the pits, but I agree. I hate olives, too. We find that out later. Um, Yeah. So this is actually, not really foreshadowing, but season four, episode nine, I remember the survivor. This is the second time Larry mistakes someone for a survivor who's not. Hmm, Good point. I mean, that time, a rabbi was calling him a survivor. So I thought you were going to say this is a call forward to the Larry David sandwich when he doesn't want capers on the sandwich. Oh. Uh, no. Uh, no. I don't think he got that from Guy. You never know, though. You never know. Um, you know what I think is a little... You know what would have been nice? Or not nice. I'm surprised they never just, like, eat at this restaurant, like, three seasons later, you know? It just never comes back. 
Like, they don't even have to mention it. He doesn't have to do a business thing. Why not just, like, go out to dinner at Bobo's once, you know? Like, Curb doesn't do that kind of stuff. No, they don't. They don't at all. Every season's super contained in its plotline. Like, they never bring up the producers ever again. They never bring up, um, aren't you Julia? What's it? Is that the name of the show? I'm They're... not Evelyn. Oh, Evelyn, right. I'm not Evelyn ever again. Aren't you Julia? <laughs> Shut up. Uh, season five, Louis's kidney. Well, that you probably wouldn't bring up again. Season six, the blacks do stick around. But you're right. You don't. You don't have plot. You know, plot leakage from one season to another. What, what even leakage? I like, could be like a nice reference. Like, oh, we're let's meet Jeff and Susie at Bobos. And, you're right. Where other shows succeed in this, like Arrested and The Office and Thirty. Yeah, Curb is none of that. Yeah, Curb. That's because they don't write the episodes, so they, so they don't. It's really hard to pull out like references off improv. No, but they, like you said, they could go to Bobo's for dinner one day. Yeah. It's a free meal for them, right? He owns a restaurant. I assume, I think he owns all the restaurants because all the other investors quit. So we have the scene where Larry is bringing Cheryl to a date with Susie. A lunch date with Susie, and they go to a Glenrock car wash. Okay, so why is Larry driving Cheryl to this date? I, I agree. If Cheryl's in a rush to get there anyway, I mean, maybe her car's in the shop or something they don't explain, but... And also, look at how dirty his front seat is. Like, that's that's obviously fake. Like It's filthy and it's hilarious. It's filthy. There's just, like, fast food trash and wrappers and papers. And he just shoves it all on the floor. Like He just, like, throws it on the floor. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of a weird scene where they get stuck in the car wash. Um, it is a weird scene. It's it's kind of strange. It doesn't really move the plot along, except, you, I guess, Cheryl's... get out if you were in a car wash? I don't think I would get out. I don't know if I'd get out. I mean, Maybe. I guess it was an emergency. I also love how Larry, that's like Larry's expression, like Cheryl's getting like caught and like disgusting and Larry really doesn't even care. Well, he's yelling on the phone. Well, he was yeah, at that time, but yeah, like once she gets out, he's just like, it's over for him. He's not like trying to help her or anything. He doesn't get out to try to like help her. Yeah. And then do you notice that right as Cheryl gets out of the car? It moves. It starts moving. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, that's how it works on TV, you know? It's the way it works. It's it's the way it works. And then, is the next scene at the restaurant? The next scene is at the restaurant. And this is where I think they're riffing on the like the idea that they haven't done anything this season, with like towards the end of the season, to tie up all these loose ends. Because it's opening night, and they're making all these, what I think to be pretty big decisions about I the agree. restaurant. So lemon stuff like lemon in the waters. Do we want to put bread or anything down on the table? Like tables? Yeah, you don't just make that on a whim the night of the opening. No. And like, then one of the partners decides on celery. We should put yeah. celery on the tables. <laughs> they were obviously improv. Yeah, but celery. I like. I love that. I hate celery. I mean, everyone hates celery. Have you ever been to a restaurant where they just serve you celery? <laughs> no one wants. That's not. No restaurant just serves celery. I once went to a restaurant where they served like a. a you know, crudite is that even? I don't even know if that's yeah, how you pronounce it. Platter, crudite. which is just like celery and carrots, with like terrible. a dip or something. Maybe I don't know. It's terrible. So I had thought always that the tall white guy with the light hair—I forget his name—and um, I think Christy, the the Asian woman, were like the managers of the restaurant, right? I one of them is, one of them isn't. No, I thought he was the manager. She was the assistant manager, but. Like, on opening night, they're not working. They're, they seem like they're investors. So I'm a little confused by that, too. I, I thought they were the ones running the restaurant the whole time. It's it's a weird... I, I don't actually understand the, like, power structure in this restaurant, other than no. Larry and uh, 
Jeff clearly are the biggest investors. Especially, which is great, is once you actually see opening night, they use all of Larry's ideas. They have bells for the waiters. They're wearing those like airline captains like the outfits. So you look, you're getting air. Like these are all the ideas that I think in the first episode they told Larry were awful. Yep. Well, and now there's some, no other investors he, to really won them over. There's no one else to really veto him. So yeah, they have I, the I did not notice if they put lemon in the in the water or not. I couldn't tell. I didn't notice, and I didn't see celery on the tables. No, I'm sure someone else vetoed that. But I looked for it. Everyone likes bread. Yeah, you, you want to give bread at a restaurant. It's, there's a reason everyone does that. It's a straightforward thing. It's it's, it's good. You're not going to go wrong. So I forgot that they really parade out a bunch of characters from earlier in the season. I think, like everyone. I mean, so they've got, not even earlier in the season, Jeff's parents weren't in the season. Mm. They weren't. You could be right. They've got Jeff's parents. They've got Cheryl's parents with Larry's dad. They've got Lewis, they've got Dora, they've got, um... Crazy uh, Eyes wasn't here. Crazy, crazy Eyes was not here. No surprise. Uh, Larry's secretary, what's her name? She's not on the phone. Uh, Antoinette. Antoinette is there. I said Lewis, I said Dora. It would be they've great got, if they had her on a cell phone. Uh, the widow, what's her name, Barbara? Uh, I think you're right. It would be great if Antoinette was on a cell phone. It would have been great if Antoinette was on the phone. That's Larry the kind of thing that, that like... Other shows That's, would do, but Kirk doesn't. Did get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, there was a black family that I think may have been the cable guy he fired from season two. No way. I have no, to look it up. I'm positive. No way. Because there was a black man and his wife, and they paused on them enough to make it seem like they were someone before. So I'm going to – I think it was them or uh, Lewis's doctor friend from season one episode non-affirmative action. I don't remember. I, I, I noticed that they paused in them, but I just couldn't pick out who they were. Uh, and I didn't look it up. Not but a sign for us. Um, so, yeah. Was, is there anyone else we just missed? There might have been. Uh, Larry's, I mean, I, Larry's dad's there. Yep. Obviously, Susie walks in. Which, the, the timing on the Susie entrance is fantastic. I think that's one of the best parts of this ending. Yeah. In fact, just, I think this ending is great. Uh, no, the ending is great. You know what's great about the ending is... I mean, we've only had three season finales so far, mm-hmm. but the other two season finales end awful for Larry. This mm-hmm. one ends well for Larry. He ends the season on top. He wins. This is a really triumphant end of the season. It's great. Everything's coming up Larry, right? And then everything yeah. turns to shit. And Larry makes it better. He pulls yeah, it out. Larry saves it. Exactly. And everyone has a great time. It works. Susie storms off. The timing on that is just brilliant i think that's one of the best things they've done this episode yeah no exactly what well, i don't even remember what cheryl says but then Susie walks in and hears it and calls or something and leaves i, I do like jess jeff, not jeff jeff's string of curses includes grandma as one of his words yep grandma <laughs> <laughs> i think this is you know this is the type of ending you can only do on hbo oh yeah those i mean that's just uh, two minutes of straight beeps if it's on network and i think as they like even, zoom even in on Larry painful. at the end, he's he has his arms folded and he's kind of triumphant and he's like he's very content. He he did something great. He's good. And I feel like he's as proud of the restaurant as he is of the show. And he knows yeah. that this ending is fantastic. Yeah, it's no, like it, a, it's almost like they're doing the aristocrats on t- on TV, but not really. It maybe. just it just works so well. There's nothing <laughs> funnier than people cursing. 
So the now I'm thinking about it, the reason maybe they don't go to Bobo's ever again is it probably closes in about a month after people get tired of the chef just cursing every time. Like that's probably true. Like, you know, I don't think this restaurant has great longevity. But it was good enough for one season. It was good. Larry Larry wins. I mean, end of season four, he wins also. It's true. And and season five, does he win at the end of season five? Does he die at the end of season five? But he comes back. He beats death. We'll get to that. We're we're a couple months away. Um, so should, anything we want to say about season three? In all, I really think season three is where Curb hits its stride, and it really hits it towards the end. I've been telling you, season three is good. Season four might be better. It, um, and there are other great seasons. Like four is good. Four is great. Six is great. Seven and eight were both great. I mean, five. I don't. I think five is a little weaker than of, a little downhill of the ones remaining. But five's also got some good episodes. I remember the bow tie season five episode two is great. Season three is the beginning of what I think to be prime curb. It is. The only problem is Funkhauser's not in it yet. So Funkhauser, like, fun, bring in Funkhauser season four. That's prime curb also. Like, yeah. But this is, yeah. Like, one and two, they were, like, getting their footing. Larry wasn't as great of an actor. They, like, it, it was new to them. Now now they're now they're in. I mean, you really get to see towards the end of season three, the, the level of improv between the characters just picks up so Yeah, much. I mean, Larry and Jeff's... Dialogue. Even Larry and Cheryl. Yeah, Cheryl gets a lot better. It really starts right. to work. Season three was good. 